Let's all turn to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, a few weeks back, we started a new series that we're continuing today. And in the 53rd verse, this has been our, our main text, these verses, he said, this corruptible, talking about our, our body, must put on incorruption. Presently, it's in a corruptible state. That means it is decaying, subject to decay and death and decaying. That's another way of saying aging. <laughs> it is. And this mortal, it's, it's mortal right now, subject to die. But it must put on immortality. That means can't die. Can't decay and can't die. Is that the future of this body right here? God's going to do something to our bodies so that they will no longer be subject to decay or death. Soon and very soon. You'll never get another wrinkle. Never lose another hair. Never have another ache and pain. You won't be subject to that any longer. That's only for a very brief time down here now. Keep reading verse 54. So when, it's not a matter of if, just when. When this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Whoo, glory to God. That word swallowed up, one translation is gulped. Gulp, like a whale swallowing up something. <laughs> Victory swallows up Amen. death. I mean, that's, that's hard for us to really get our head around because from the time we've come into the planet, everything around us is dying. Everything dies. Animals, plants, everything is dying. Our own bodies. But there's coming a time soon when nothing dies. Flowers won't die. Trees won't die. Nothing will die. You won't die. Glory to God. I know you kind of shake your head and go, well, what will it be like in a in hundred years after or a thousand years or a hundred thousand years or just like it was. Perfect. Amazing. Verse 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, uh, Paul, the Spirit of God speaking through him from verse 1 down here to verse 55, and he's got wound up by now. And he, and he is getting sassy with death, <laughs> which you ought to do as well. He, he said, death, you need to put your hands on your hips for that, I guess. Death, where is your sting? I, I don't feel your sting. I don't feel you. You got no bite. Death has been de-stung, stinger removed for the believers. Oh, grave, where is your victory? Grave, you don't have any victory. You know, we ought to have this in the forefront of our thinking every time we stand by a grave. We ought to be thinking, grave, you don't have any victory today. We're putting that body in the ground, but you have, you have won nothing. That you have no victory. This is not the end of this. Mm -mm. Why? Because this corruptible is going to put on corruption. This mortal is going to put on immortality. 
And the dead in Christ are going to rise. Keep reading. The sting of death is sin. He said, you know, death, where is your sting? Then he tells us what the sting of death is. Now, here's the thing. If sin has been dealt with, then death has been de-stung. De-stingerized. Ever, how do you want to say it? Because the sting of death, the bite, the power that death had was sin. Because the wages of sin is death. But if sin has been dealt with and we are no longer under the dominion of sin, then we're no longer subject to the pain and sting of death. Glory to God. Is it true, saints? We're reading it right here. Verse 57. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say that out loud a time or two. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thanks be. Gives us the victory. Now you hear this quoted in connection with a lot of things. Having victory, and I believe it's applicable to many things. But specifically, what's he talking about victory over in this chapter? Death. Victory over death. Victory over death. We've been looking at this for a few sessions now. If you, This is your first time to be with us. You're coming in uh, after we're started. So let me encourage you to get the CDs or DVDs. Get online. Download the previous messages. won't cost you a thing. And it'll help you tremendously to, to get what has gone before because we've already covered a lot. Among other things, we looked at Psalm 90. You don't have to turn there. But Psalm 90 and verse 12, he told us, he said, uh, the, the prayer is, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We are instructed in the scripture to maintain an awareness of the, the brevity of this life. Very important that we realize just how brief it is. James talks about what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It's like a a morning fog. Our lives are compared to a flower or grass of the field. That you see it, it buds, it blossoms, it withers. That's our whole life down here. And in this same psalm, if you back up to the fourth verse, he had said this. He said, a thousand years in your sight, the Lord's sight, are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Here we see that God perceives time very differently than we do on this planet. How many remember Saturday? Yesterday. You know how Saturday seems to you. That's how the previous 1,000 years seems to the Lord our God. Same way. To Him, the previous millennia, the previous 1,000 years, is to Him just like Saturday is to us. And uh, if that's true, and obviously it is, How many think his perception is right? 
ours is skewed because of sin and death and the curse in this earth. If, if that's true, that the correct perception, and which is how we're going to perceive it later, if he perceives it that way, why wouldn't those that are with him now perceive it like he does? Because they're with him. Well, certainly they would. Well, if a thousand years is like yesterday to him, if we lived a hundred years of life down here on the earth, that's a tenth of a thousand, right? Which would be like a tenth of a day, which would be like 2.4 hours. Which means if you're over 50 years old, that means you got a little less than an hour and a half left <laughs> before you're out of here. And that's how you ought to see it. That's how you ought to think about it. And also, if your loved ones that are already there are perceiving time like he does, then that means if you live another 50 years down here and then go to, to be with him and meet him, they'll look up and, and go, wow, you're already here? It's just been like an hour. <laughs> and then they'll say, I got to show you some stuff. Come with me. And if there are people near and dear to your heart that have gone on before you, why should you sorrow like those who have no hope? Can't you wait 45 minutes to see them? Yeah. <laughs> Go with me, if you would, to Hebrews. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Hebrews 2:14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's us, he also himself, Jesus, likewise, took part of the same. Jesus took part of the same kind of body we have and life. That through death, he had to become subject to death like us. And he did it in order to do what? So he could destroy him. Oh, hallelujah. That had, don't you like that word had? That's used to. Had the power of death. That is the devil. I want you to know the devil ain't what he used to be. Oh, he cracks himself up to be so bad, but he's not. He's not. Actually, he is a stripped, brought to naught, eternally defeated under our feet. Believers, under our feet one. You know who the devil is? He is the loser, capital L. He's the biggest loser there has ever been. Have you read the back of the book? Nobody has ever lost like he loses. Everybody say loser. loser. Next time the devil starts to mess with you, you go, is that you loser? That's the, not, not a loser, the loser. Capital L. <laughs> but Jesus, did he accomplish this? Did he destroy him that had the power of death? He did. He did. To what effect? Next verse. To what result? And through destroying him that had the power of death, he delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear of death makes you susceptible to bondage 
You can't be free as long as you fear. Say it out loud. You can't be free. As long as you fear. Now this is a truth. You want to get established in you. If you want to really be free. You've got to get rid of fear. No other option. And all fears. Are connected to this fear. Fear of death. All the phobias you want to talk about. Fear of heights. Fear of flying. Fear of water. Fear of isolation. Fear of crowds. It's not just fear of flying. It's fear of dying. It's not a fear of flying. It's a fear of crashing and dying. (laughs) It's not just a fear of water. It's a fear of drowning. And dying. It's not just a fear of snakes. It's a fear of snake biting you and you dying. All these fears are really fears of dying. And what does that what does the fear of dying do to you? It makes you subject to bondage. You cannot be free as long as you fear. And you're not ready to live until you're no longer afraid to die. And that's what the Lord is doing in us in these lessons and in these words. He is getting us free. And oh, what it does to you. It puts a courage in you. Puts strength in you. Hallelujah. Uh, Let me read some other translations of this. It says, only in this way, in the New Living Translation, only in this way could he set free all who had lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Did you hear that? Slaves to fear. You want to be a slave no. to fear? No. This is why people won't leave the house. That's right. This is why people, you know, are so apprehensive and they dread doing this and they dread doing that because they're, they're afraid I might get sick or they're afraid we might have a wreck or they're afraid. And they instill this fear into their kids. Oh, don't do that. You'll get killed. Oh, don't do that. You'll, this will happen. Oh, don't do this. You know, you need to teach your children to respect what an automobile at 70 miles an hour can do. And to respect this and to respect that. But you do not want to teach them to fear. People say, well, a little fear is good. No, it is not. No, it is not. Reverence of God is good. What is called the fear of God. Reverence of God is good. But not fear of death. Because fear of death is actually fear of loss. Fear of death is fear of loss. Loss of life. Loss of what I love. Loss of what is precious to me. Loss of my future. Loss. And how many times do you hear that when somebody dies? You'll hear it scores and scores of times as people come by and they shake folks' hands and what do they tell them? Sorry for your loss. That's not okay. Did you hear that that religious cow move? He said, Woo! We poked it hard that time. What's wrong with that, Brother Keith? Where's it at in the Bible? Believers are to talk Bible. They're to talk scripture. They're to talk faith. 
Well, they did lose them, did they? How so? When I hear somebody has died, one of the first things I want to know is, were they a believer? Huh? Were they a believer? Did they know the Lord? And then if people say, oh yeah, yeah, I know they're a believer, then the glory to God. That was too weak. Then what? Glory to God because the Bible says they have gained, not lost, gained. Now, is there any difference between lost and gain? Is there any difference between loss and gain? Well, that's... 180, right? I mean, then why should we only talk about loss? And why should, why should all of us contribute to what the enemy's trying to do? And, and, and person after person after person after person that comes by these individuals say loss, 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 loss. And they get to hear it 300 times. Loss, loss. Do we need some mind renewal in these areas? Is heaven a real place? It is. You know, Missouri's a real place. You're you're sitting on it. (laughs) Arkansas is a real place. It's just right right over there. And, uh, you know, if some of you left and went to Arkansas, we shouldn't cry and wring our hands and go, oh, God, they're gone. They're gone. And everybody come around and go, sorry for your loss. <laughs> Why? They're just in Arkansas. Why should we sorrow like those who have no hope? See, people do this because they don't really believe what the Bible says. It's not real to them. They're too natural. They're too carnal. All that's real to them, this natural flesh and world is more real to them than what the Bible says. What the word says. No, we don't need to focus on loss. We need to focus on their gain. Don't we? That needs to be our focus. And that needs to be what we talk. And that's what I do. Every time I go to buy somebody that when their loved ones have just gone home to be with the Lord. Especially when we know they're believers, you know. uh, uh, And somebody says, what if they're not believers? They could have become one. At the last minute. It's possible. I believe it happens all the time. It, it could have happened. You don't know. I mean, but I, I, I believe the Lord is absolutely merciful. He is so amazingly merciful and gracious. But especially when you have confidence that they were believers. That's the first thing I start talking about. I was with somebody recently and I came up and I said, I said, do you think well, you know, they did. As soon as they got there, they met so-and-so, and they met grandpa, and they met grandma, and they met, you know, they met great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa they never even met. Yeah. And then they might just really like him, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what they're seeing and what they're doing, they have gained. Yes. Gained. Yes. Gained. Yes. So why should we talk about loss? Can you say Amen. Go to uh, 1 John, the fourth chapter. 1 John 4.18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, and that word perfect is for 
fully developed love casts out, throws out fear. Because fear has torment. And he that fears is not made perfect or not fully developed in love. And specifically he's talking about knowing God loves you. Are you afraid to die? A few people said no. And that's why I'm preaching on it. Because this, there hasn't been enough said about this. We're not as strong as we, we could be and can be. It will be. In this. But uh, there are all kind of Christians. They, they dread it. They fear it. And they fear their loved ones going. And you hear people say, well, I just, I couldn't take it if they left. I couldn't live without them. Don't say that. Don't say that. You may need to. Did you hear me? How many believe in to live a long time? Let me see. Raise your hand. Live a long time. Bible said with long life I'll satisfy you. Show you my salvation. You know what that means? It means you're going to a lot of funerals. Because you're going to outlive a lot of people. If you do. If you live a long time. You're going to go to a lot of funerals. And if it tortures you. And you can't get over it. And you can't stand to live without them. And you can't deal with it. You're going to have a torturous life. And it's just going to keep compounding because people are going to keep dying. And they're going to keep leaving. We're told there's about 7 billion people on the planet right now. That's a bunch. And as such, with that many people, you got a lot of babies being born every day. you got a lot of people dying every day. They tell us every second, 1.8 people die. So just a little over a second... Two people. That's another two. Another two. By the time I get through speaking, (laughs) it'll be about, I think it's about 6,500. 6,500 or so will have died by the time I get through speaking. And for the days over, 24 hour period of time, that's about 155,000 people that died today. And by the end of the year, a year's time, it's probably 55, 56 million people died on the planet somewhere. Another two. Another two. And very soon, me and you. Does that scare you? <laughs> you should see some of the looks I'm getting from across the crowd. People are like, oh, people go. <laughs> and it's all, it's all kind of looks across the crowd. I just don't know, Brother Keith. That I'm, I'm glad you're here. Because you need to be a believer. And you need to be ready to die. Because it's happening. Oh, it's happening. How many people still here lived in the 1600s? How many? Not a one. Not a one. Not a one. From the 1700s. How many? How many? Not a one. And just a few years from now. The the people that's in this room. How many will be around? You know a couple hundred years from now. Not a one. Not a one. Should that scare you? Not if you're a believer. I said not if you're a believer. Because for believers the sting has been taken out. <laughs> Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. 
1 John 4.18, look at it again. He said, fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect or not, not developed enough in love. Not, let me say it like this. Not secure enough in God's love for you. The Weymouth translation says, fear involves pain. The New King James, fear involves torment. Listen to the Message Bible. The Message, verse 18. There's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling. What does fear do to your life? It makes you subject to bondage. It cripples you inside and out. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, one's not fully formed in love. Are you afraid to die? Why shouldn't you be afraid to die? I know who's going to be there when I do. The one that has carried me from my mother's womb. Come on, are you listening to me? Who has been with me and walked with me and carried me. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when it comes time for me to leave this world and slip out of this body, he's going to be right there with me. I've kind of studied this for some years now. And I've heard scores and scores and, and hundreds of people's stories that have died and come back. And uh, one thing that I find so interesting about them is how similar so many of them are. I mean, you can have an 80-year-old from Africa, and you can have a 16-year-old from uh, you know, Minnesota, and they'll say some of the same things. Never met, and some of them went to this church, and this one went to no church, and, and they come up with the same thing. Usually hear this over and over again, that all at once they were above their body looking down. Yeah. And we studied uh, last time I spoke that uh, Paul said whether he was in the body or out of the body, he couldn't tell. He couldn't tell whether he was in or out. This this one lady talked about, I thought it was funny, I told you this, but uh, she was in this contraption where she couldn't move her body. And they, they told her she couldn't move and something happened to her and she died. And she did, but she didn't know it yet. And all at once, she was out in the hall. And she thought to herself, Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. They told me not to move. <laughs> and she's out in the hall. And then she's looking around and, and she thought, but man, you know, I feel great. I ain't got no pain, nothing. And all at once she's looking at the lights and she, she saw those when they brought her in and she realizes they're way up at the top of the ceiling. She should not be able to look at those eye level. And it dawned on them, and she looked around the corner, and they were, they were working on this poor woman on the bed there. And she said, look at that poor dear. And she said, oh, that's me. That's my body. And then she said she didn't care. It's like, you know, like an old shoe or something that you used to have. It's like, so what? And again and again, you hear them talk about the light. That amazing light that's just pure love. Like nothing you've ever seen or been in to that degree before. And I heard that over and over again. And one day, I don't know why I didn't, didn't see it sooner, but I was sitting there and I heard it for like the manyth time. And I thought, God is light. God is light. No wonder people see the light. <laughs> God is light. <laughs> why should we fear that? 
He said, this has torment. Weymouth says fear involves pain. The message says fear is crippling. You can tell how secure you are in God's love by what's torturing you and what torments you in this life. Fear of death is fear of loss. Afraid I might lose my child. Afraid I might lose my mother, my my brother, my spouse. Afraid I might lose my life. Afraid I lose my future. Afraid I lose our hopes and our dreams. Afraid fear of loss. And the fear of that loss will torture you. It'll torture you. And it'll cripple you in life. And you'll teach it to your kids. And it'll cripple them if they don't learn better and you don't change. But you can be completely fear-free. You can be completely free of any dread of death. First service I mentioned this. Some years ago, I was first learning how to fly jets. And that's a different animal. They're so fast and powerful, you know. I flew a little bitty plane and and had this opportunity. And and this guy, this instructor that I was with, uh, he was supposed to be really, really good. And he's actually a test pilot and some stuff. And so I was so thrilled to be with him. And I did a flight or two and everything was great. And I went on this flight one day with him and he's going to let me fly. And uh, we got ready to go. And it was was an isolated, independent place. And the folks said, you know, they told him, dude's doing such and such trick. I thought, huh? trick. <laughs> Didn't sound good, you know. And so, and then he said, no, nah, I can't. He said, I got in trouble last time. I thought, what? <laughs> I'm riding with this guy home, you know. And, and so then we got it. We got in the plane and we're ready to go. And I'm in the driver's seat, you know, and I'm, I'm going to do the flying. And, and they, they called on the radio and they said, be advised. There's nobody around to see and, and, and do a trick. And, and he said, my airplane, that means turn loose of the controls and sit back on your hands, you know. And and I thought, okay. And man, he powered that thing up. We went scooting down the runway and come right off. And I mean, we weren't up a few feet until we do this. The runway's like this. We go, whoa, 90 degrees, right off the runway. And I was gripping the seat. I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, because in order to turn, you have to bank. And man, we're not five, six feet off the ground. Well, if you bank, that means the wingtip gets close to the ground. If you touch the ground, it's usually curtains, you know. <laughs> well, put it this way, you're going to need divine help getting out of that. And then all at once, we're ripping, I mean, the runway's like this, we're ripping out across where we, we shouldn't be. And, and, and we're low, we're like, you know, 100 feet. And, and there's buildings right there. And I'm sitting there, and these buildings are just filling up the windshield. And the thought crossed my mind, you may die right now. (laughs) And the thing that blessed me so much is I realized I am not afraid. I am not afraid. And even though I was in that situation, I thought, glory to God. (laughs) I am not. I was so happy that I wasn't afraid. Well, what if you crash right into that and you die right now? Well, I get to see Jesus today. <laughs> and thank the Lord, at the last minute, he pulled up and we skimmed over the top of those buildings. And I think that's the last flight I ever did with him. <laughs> but <laughs> because 
You know, even though you shouldn't be afraid of dying, that doesn't mean you want to throw your life away and waste it. You hear some people say, well, you know, man, it sounds so good getting out of here. I think I'll just check myself out today. No, 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 no. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your body is not your own to take out when you decide to. You've been redeemed. You've been bought and paid for. You need to do what he tells you to do. Life is short enough as it is without you cutting it short. You need to, first of all, you need to know that you know that you know that you know that you are born again and ready to meet the Lord before you get out of here. Big, big, big. Secondly, you need to know that you have run your race, that you have fulfilled your purpose for being here. The scripture tells us that we are to endure hardness as good soldiers. We're to have a soldier mentality. We're on the front lines here where the curse and the devils and the crazy people are. This is us. We're, we're in the thick of it, and we are to go where we're sent. We're to stay where we're stationed. We're to do our duty. We are to complete our mission before we get out of here. Hallelujah. You say, well, I don't know what my mission is. You best get to finding out because time is passing by. Remember, two more left just then. Turn with me to another scripture, please. I want you to see why. You should absolutely have no fear. Uh, Go to, let's see, Revelation. Book of Revelation. And the 12th chapter. And then I think we'll be coming back to John. Chapter 12. Revelation 12. Then we'll come back to John 12. Another situation that happened, oh, a couple of years after that airplane incident I mentioned. Phyllis and I were driving down the the road, it was a, a two-lane this way and two-lane that way, uh, separated by this big median with grass and all this kind of stuff. Another city in another state. And we're driving down the road, I don't know, 50 miles an hour, and talking. And all at once, you just saw this violent motion over here and dirt and, and grass flying everywhere and we saw this vehicle coming at a high rate of speed right over the median right toward us I mean it's seconds before it hits us head on and I mean you got no time to make a big confession or make a long prayer I mean it's 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 seconds or less and uh, I think we both hollered Jesus you got time to say that (laughs) which is you know, if that's the last word out of your mouth, that, it wouldn't get much better than that, right? <laughs> Obvious you believe in him. And uh, Phyllis and I talked about it later. Thank God at the last minute, it just, that car was just coming right head on us. Last minute, it just turned and went off, went, went off the road. Just turned 90 degrees and just didn't even touch us. We slowed down. The people weren't even hurt. It's just it could have been catastrophic. But Phyllis and I talked about it later. We weren't scared. We we noticed about ourselves that we weren't afraid. It was happening so fast. And and men, all of us are a breath away from leaving here. Just that just that quick. You're out of here. Well, what? Two more. But uh you don't have to be afraid. In, in Revelation 12, notice this. This is a key to this not being afraid. 
Revelation 12 and 11. It said, they overcame him, talking about the devil, by the blood of the lamb and something else. The word of their testimony. You see why we're always talking around here and confessing? It's key to faith and victory in every area. And they what? They loved not their lives unto the death. Listen to some other translations. Uh, The NIV says, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The Amplified says, they did not love and cling to life even when faced with death. They didn't cling to it. So many act like this is all there is. And they cling to this little life desperately. We ought not think that way. We ought to know this is the briefest thing we'll ever do. This life, all there is? Are you kidding? This is just barely the beginning. This is faith school. This is us being trained to rule and reign with him. And he left them some some demons and curses and stuff to practice on. Right? Right? Because if you didn't have anything to overcome, how can you be an overcomer? Got to have something to come over. (laughs) I mean, think about it. You you got your your helmet of salvation, your breastplate of righteousness, your loins girt with truth, your feet shared with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your shield of faith, sword of the spirit. uh, What if you're all dressed up and got nobody to fight? Got nowhere to go. Got nothing to deal with. So the next time anything comes up, don't cry, don't whine, don't be a little whiny, ninny baby. Stir up and go, hey, this is just another opportunity. Just another, another opportunity to see God move and to, and to have a victory. Another opportunity to prove my weapons and the name of Jesus and faith and, and see God come through again. Just another opportunity. And if it gets real bad, then you just, you need to get sassy. Get sassy. Say, hey, devil, make it light on yourself. <laughs> because, you know, the worse this is and the longer this drags out, it's just going to prove that no matter what you did, you couldn't do it. And we're going to tell everybody how you couldn't do it. <laughs> we're not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors. My father in the faith, uh, Kenneth Hagin, he, he was born prematurely. He had an incurable heart uh, situation and incurable blood disease. They told him if one of them hadn't killed him, the others would have killed him. Nobody in his condition had lived past 16 years of age. And sure enough, when he got close to that age, he's bedfast. He's dying. Best doctor said no hope. But God revealed to him faith and raised him up out of that. Hallelujah. And not only was he healed, that's conquering. But he went around for the next 60 years or whatever it was and told everybody, I mean all over the world, that the devil couldn't kill him and couldn't do it and what faith in God would do for you and, and how God wants you to be healed. Don't you know that decade after decade, the devil is shaking his head going, man, I wish I'd have put that on somebody that would have just laid down and died with it. But no, he's got to get healed and he won't shut up about it. That's not just winning. That's making the devil eat it. Yeah. 
every week until he wishes he had never seen you. That's what I mean by saying, hey, make it light on yourself, devil. Longer you drag this out, the worse you make it. More you're going to have to eat. Go to John 12, please. John 12, 25. Isn't it good to know the truth? What does the truth do for you? It makes you free. And the truth about what dying really is, death is not the end at all. Physical death is separation. The spirit leaves the body. And uh, that's not the end of you or your body. Right? You depart, go to be with the Lord. In John 12, 25, Jesus said this. He that loves his life, what will happen? He's talking about this life. You love it. Now, what did we read in, in Revelation? They did not love their lives to the death. They didn't cling to it desperately. What did Jesus say when it came time to go? Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Stephen, stones bouncing off of his head. What did he say? Father, for, you know, forgive, don't lay this into their charge. And he stood up, he saw Jesus. Huh? And he left there. I don't even know that he was aware of the last part of the stoning. You know, he's out of there. And uh, people dread dying. For the believer, death is no torment at all. But fear of death is torment. Dreading it. Dreading for your loved ones to die. Dreading for your parents or grandparents to die. Dreading for yourself. Dreading, oh, I dread the day. Oh, I dread the day. I I don't want to think about it. I want to talk about it. You need to talk about it. Because it's happening. You need to look at it. And and let the truth come in you. Until you're no longer afraid. Until you're ready. Right? Until what the Bible said is true is more real to you than what you see and feel. And until this life comes into perspective, he that loves his life shall lose it. He that what? Hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. You'll keep it. Verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be also. Where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father. Where are you going to be? Soon and very soon, that's where I'm going to be. Right. So why should I cling to this life so desperately? Far too many people are entirely too attached to this life. There is a certain disdain you should have for it. What do you mean? Well, read it again. John 12, 25. The middle part says, he that hates his life. Hates his life. What does that mean? Well, when you know the truth, you know that uh, uh, compared to what it's supposed to be and compared to what you're about to experience, this life's a drag. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. Person after person that, that I've heard their, their accounts of going and coming back. Person after person. Remember one of them was saying that, you know, they saw their dad. And hadn't seen him. He died when they were a little bitty girl. And said he looked about 22 years of age. Lord to God they had seen a picture of him. 
when he was that age. Well, he was old when he died, but. Well, if decay is no longer an issue, why be old? <laughs> See, a lot of us, we, we never saw. Any, every time, all the time we knew our grandparents, they were older. And even our parents. But the next time you see them, you're going to go, Mama, look at you. You look amazing. And they'll say, have you looked in the mirror lately? That's not a fairy tale. It's okay to have a disdain. In fact, compared uh, with what we got coming, it's okay to go, you know, man, you, you get this body clean and, and then just a little bit later you got to clean it again. And, and the house, when does it ever end? You know, clean and the clothes and the this and the that. And you got to take the trash out again. And it's such laborious and it's such repetition. And it's okay to hate that. This life, why? Because soon and very soon, going to be done with it. When you think about it, so much of what we have to deal with is because of decay. Decay. So much of the dirt and the junk and the stink and stuff's decaying all around us. So we have to work, work, work to put a little pile here and hide that and put it in a can, bag it up and do this and wash this away. Why? Decay, decay everywhere, decay. (laughs) And it's okay to go, man... I don't like that. I'm looking forward to when we get out of here. But we got a job to do. Right? We're put here for a reason. We got a mission to accomplish. Don't we? And it's short enough as it is. We need to be redeeming the time. Making the most of every day an opportunity. Because man, it's clicking by. It's clicking by. Hour left. Look in John Six. I want you to think about it now. What if you came to find out that all you have left is the rest of today? What if you found that out? It was revealed to you. Would it affect what you did today? <laughs> you might do things differently. <laughs> well, soon and very soon, there will come a day that is your last. Down here, just like that. Soon and very soon. We must not live like we're going to get up and go to work, come back, clean the house, get up and go to work. We must not live like that's going to happen forever. Because it's not. In John 6, and I think I can close with this. This is uh, why we should have zero fear of dying. John 6, 38. Jesus said, I came down from heaven... Not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Somebody say, me too. That's why I'm here. To do his will. Is that true? Then you're not just here to check the boxes, to make retirement, to get this done, to get that done, to get comfortable. You're, You're born for a purpose. There's a reason why you're here now, in this time, and in this place. And if you don't know what that is, oh friends, seek God. Fast and pray till you find out what you're supposed to be doing. Because soon and very soon, the opportunity is going to be passed. Verse 39, this is the Father's will which has sent me, 
that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Verse 40, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him, is that you? Has he been revealed to you? Do you believe on him? Everyone that sees and believes may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Why should I have no fear of death? Because fear of death is fear of loss. And according to this, I'm not going to lose anything. I'm not going to lose anything. Ah, you can't carry your little cars and your clothes and your little jewelry with you. It's all rusting and rotting anyway. And everything down here is going to melt with fervent heat. But you and all your life and your joy and your good memories and all your relationships and especially your future, you're not going to lose anything. Somebody say, I'm not going to lose anything. Which is why you should have zero fear of dying because fear of dying is fear of loss and you're going to lose nothing. I'm not going to lose a thing. I'm not, but people say, well, you lost your body. Uh, we're picking it up again. Yes. Right? Jesus is going to come back and pick it up. <laughs> I'm not losing a thing. Believers, we're not losing a thing. Not losing a thing. I know when my dad went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, and he, he wasn't that old, and, and there were some things I had wanted to do and planned to do with him and for him, and it bothered me the first few days. I thought, well, I, I won't get to do that. I won't get to do that. And, I thought that a few a few days, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, who said you won't get to do it? I thought, huh? See, wrong thinking. And see, that was, can you see that was tormenting me? That was bugging me, and there was no reason for it to be bugging me. I was just thinking wrong. Preachers think wrong. They can. And uh, I don't mean I heard a voice, but the Lord began to minister to me this. I understood it, that in time to come, a lot of things I thought we wanted to do, I won't care about them. But there will still be some things I'll still want to do, and we will yet get to do it together. He said, so he said, Keith, your dad's not just in your past. He's in your future. Is that true? And I reckon when I see him, he'll look about 22. And I'll go, Daddy, Wow. Never saw you look so good. <laughs> oh, friends, is this real to you now? In just, just an hour or an hour and a half, we'll be hugging them. We'll be hugging them. They'll be hugging us. We'll be walking up and down these wonderful, glorious streets, arm in arm, hugged up. And they'll be saying, let me show you. You've got to come over here. Look at this. Let me show you. Because they've been there, you know, an hour or two already. And... And they see some stuff and they're going to show us something. We'll be so excited. And then we can all, you, me, them, Abraham, everybody, can get together around the throne of the Almighty God. 
There'll be millions of us in every direction as far as the eye can see. And when we all lift up our voices in praise and worship, you talk about something you never felt before in your little life down here in the dirt. Oh, and you will never even think about wanting to come back to this. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Go to Philippians for my second closing. (laughs) You know, it's okay. We can have two or three closings. It's not not that big of a deal. Philippians 1. At the writing of this, Paul has, you could say, seen it all. He's been through some stuff. He has preached all over the known world. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beat. He's been stoned. He's faced down demons and wild beasts. He's seen miracles. He's seen the dead raised and healed. And and he spent time in jail. And he's older. And if you read this whole passage, he says, the time of my departure. He's talking about this and, and in Timothy, the time of my departure is here. He's excited about it. And at this point, uh, before he said the time of my departure, at this point, he said, I'm wanting to go. I got a desire to go. He was actually wanting to go before he went. And I want you to read it with me in in first chapter of Philippians, the 20th verse. Philippians 1.20. He said, according to my expectation, nothing I'll be ashamed always Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Can the Lord be glorified in how you die? How many think a courageous, fearless death would be a glorious exit? You could smile at your loved ones and say, see you in about an hour. (laughs) I'm out of here. I've run my race. I've finished my course. Y'all work hard and be good now. I'll see you soon. Verse 21. For to me to live is what? Christ. That's what's happening right now. And to die. To die. Loss. Let's quit using that word loss all the time. Concerning people leaving and going. To die is gain. Gain. If I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart. Is he dreading to go? Is he afraid to go? What is he actually doing? He's desiring. He's already done a lot of years of ministry. He's getting older. He's thinking, you know, I'd like to go. It would really be great to go. To desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? What? Is that something you dread? For yourself or your people, either one. Oh, I just couldn't stand it for a moment ago. I just, I can't stand the thought of her leaving. You can't stand the thought of her gaining. Of her being far better. You can't stand that thought. Can't stand the thought of this one or that one leaving. I just can't stand the thought of it. Let your mind be renewed. That's torture. That's torment. Because they're going. They're going. You going. 
I'm going, your cat's going, your dog's going, your goldfish and your parakeet. We're all going. (laughs) Soon and very soon, we're all going. Aren't we? But for the child of God, for the believer, especially the one that's like Paul, run their race, finish their course. What about it? It is gain and it is far better than being here. And you read the rest of it, you see he decided to stay and help them and minister them. And then later on, you see where we read, that, where you read in Timothy that he said, the time of my departure is at hand. It's time to go now. And oftentimes people get ready to go before it's time to go. That's right. <laughs> but come on, you can wait another five minutes, right. 15 minutes, right? You can, right. God time, you, 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 can, you can do that. And how many think you would be so glad once you get out of here, that you didn't cut it short, that you didn't fail to do what, everything you were supposed to do. Go ahead, be a good soldier. Hold your post, do your duty, see this thing through. And then when you leave and you, and you go home, well, you you got nothing to have regrets about you. You did everything you knew to do. Can you say amen? Was Paul dreading leaving? No. No. He was desiring to go. And you, you got the same God, you got the same salvation, you got the same Holy Spirit, you got the same faith. And if you believe that and let it work in you, you will also be fearless when it comes time to go. Stand up on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.